I'm trying something new today. I'm just going to warm up with three random questions to kind of set the tone. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So when chefs graduate from chef school, do they automatically get told that they can only wear Crocs for the rest of their lives? <laughs> My beta did that Croc. <laughs> <laughs> Because every cooking show you see, like the chefs oh, are all wearing Crocs. I'm standard, I'm standard. <laughs> oh, really, that comfortable. <laughs> they are very comfortable. Yeah, there's some other chef's shoes that's also very comfortable, but a crocky? No, sorry, I can't do it. <laughs> okay. When it comes to chefs' hats, yeah, is there a competition to see who can have the tallest one? <laughs> <laughs> The master chefs usually wear the tallest hats. Um, when you go and compete, like after the nine Olympics, yeah. all the masters is you know, they they can't walk through a door. They have to, <laughs> 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 and you can spot them in a crowd of a thousand people. You can spot the masters. They've it got is unbelievable. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, there you go. I learned something new. <laughs> All right. And uh, the last question, uh, just for the warm up, is um, when you visit friends, do they always ask you to bring cake? <laughs> yeah, they do. <laughs> <laughs> and I usually say no. <laughs> I think some of my friends, if I'm going to their house, is like, oh, don't you want to buy the meat for me? And then you want to do the salad? Because they don't want to cook for me and yeah. the more I tell them listen I'm a plain Joe you understand I just love normal hearty home food yes we do here fine dining food and then we do restaurant style food and whatever but uh, yeah and then I'm like do I really need to do it and I'm like where's the desserts like no I don't know you're not the dentist and I'm walking here and say <laughs> <laughs> I've got a friend who does uh, massage and like when you're at a party or whatever like oh my neck is so oh, sore like fishing for I think it's bad man <laughs> <laughs> but sometimes I pull something out like yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll go in and say hello and sit down and have a first drink and then later I'll just go to the car and say okay I know you're expecting something sweet here it is <laughs> and they usually finish it all yeah, there's never sure. a crumb left I'm sure Thank you, Chef Nicholas, for being on my show. I'm really looking forward to hearing some answers. You're one of the most creative people I've had on so far. So oh, wow. A lot okay. of people have been more on the business side. So maybe as a bit of a, a segue into the entire interview, would you like to maybe just give us a little bit of information about you, what it is that you do, how you ended up doing it? <laughs> <laughs> sure. At the, yeah, I think my whole life actually started at the age of 12. Um, I had a, I was born with a hearing problem, actually born deaf. Oh wow! And I grew up on this very secluded farm in the Free State, close to Batuli. And my parents only realized the age of one, but this I'm doing things my way, <laughs> not the way they asked me to. Yeah. And they they figure out that I'm completely deaf. And then it was the big thing of going through all these operations, fourteen of them. And I was basically locked inside the house because I can walk off and they can never, never, never be able to find me again. My <laughs> grand then obviously came in and started entertaining me. Like, let's make this, let's bake this, let's cook this. And she was the one with a huge inspiration. I mean, she like, okay, I've got a cake order of a, <clears throat> not so many cake orders, but more like the pastries and desserts and that. Um, let's bake something, let's make something. I've yeah. got an order. 
And here's the ingredients, you weigh off, and obviously that's how everything starts. And one day I saw this cake in a small town called Fenterstadt, one horse town. We were in front of Absa Bank, that stage was still called Volkskas. And I saw this cake and I said to my grand, I would love to make it. She's like, no, no, I know the lady who made the cake. And she took me to that lady once a month for a Saturday afternoon to go and play with her with sugar. We made little flowers and that and and Gren basically make money made money out of making clothes and sell them and she will take it that money and she will buy me the equipment. Oh, wow. Buy me the books. And and at that age I didn't realise what a big influence she had starting my career at a mm. very young age. At the age of twelve I was in the U magazine with my first wedding cake due to my grand. At the age of twelve? There's the picture. Holy crap! <laughs> Don't look at the face, just look at the cake. <laughs> and um, it just escalated. And obviously the interest in sugar just was more and more. I want to make more, I want to learn more, and mm. I want to make the make a flower look like a real flower. Um, when I got to matric, it's, okay, I'm, I'm going to start she- study chefing. But you know what was the biggest problem? The language. I was completely raw, raw. Couldn't say anything in English. Ah, matriculated is still a miracle. So I realized that I need to I need to go and work in the industry to pick up the language mm. before I go and um, start with my studies. But there was, a, there was a guy by the name of Chef or Dr. Billy Garriga that completely changed my life. I made a phone, phone call to him and at that stage he was the president of Chef Station. And everyone was like, how dare you phone him? And like, I want to ask him something. And my question to him was, what should I do with my life if I want to become one of the best chefs in the world? Mm. And he said to me, there's three legs. Leg number one, if you want to be the best, you have to train with the best and always work for the best. Mm. And leg number two, become the best manager in the world. Because if you can manage, you'll have your own business one day. Mm. And the third leg is become the best teacher ever. Because you will always teach someone in your business. Mm. That was his advice. And I was so grateful that he took my call. Yeah, so I finished my studies at the <clears throat> CUT in Bloemfontein. A woman by the name of Chef Sunay Niemand played a huge role in my chefing career. She walked up to me one day and said to me, You are a true pastry chef. okay at that stage I didn't know yes I had to make a choice at the end of the day hot kitchen or pastry Mm. and I was always in the kitchen with her in the pastry section I also worked for Sune for for two years and um, the management side of the business was obviously a huge thing when I opened at the square restaurant in Clarence and Johan Smith the artist to open the restaurant and be in that gallery was magic for me absolute magic and in Clarence you know between the mountains and like it's beautiful in Clarence oh, and they've got a brewery so. there <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they do I know <laughs> so from there it's just like everything just started happening um, finished my studies came to Johannesburg then I met an amazing woman by the name of chef Linda Kotzer I think she also realized that I've got a God-given talent mm. that she needs to push 
Mm. And she had me, I was working at the Park Height in Rosebank for two years. And she really worked me to the bone and made sure that I can run a kitchen, that I can produce, I understand the menu and whatever. Um, and then I was lucky enough to go on to the junior Springbok curry team to go and compete in Maastricht, Holland. Very young, very insecure, obviously, at that stage still. She really had me pushing it. Like, <laughs> you know what she did to me one day? I had this very bad habit of wiping my hands, my apron. You wipe my hands on my apron. Yeah. And she's like, stop it. You're not going to win this competition. And I had to work at the hotel, in the kitchen, with a pair of pants one day. Because I was wiping my hands on my apron the whole time. <laughs> like, you will know. <laughs> For a day, I wasn't wearing a pair of pants. Just in my undies and my, and my apron. Jeez. <laughs> and then I won the competition. Team overall won a gold. And I was announced the best pastry chef in the world. <gasps> wow. And when it happened, I didn't even realize it. I cannot today tell you I can remember that moment. Mm. Yes, on, on the pictures, yes. Yes, yeah. But it was so overwhelming. Um, then my life changed completely. Mm. But sugar was still the love. Um, I always wanted to just create out of sugar. I love the whole field of pastry, the cake baking, the breads, the desserts, the high tea, all of those things. But sugar is my biggest love. <laughs> and then, yeah, it, um, from there it just escalated. I worked at the, the uh, Michelangelo Hotel in Santon for three and a half years. I worked at the Saxon Hotel for three and a half years. I was the exec pastry chef. And um, I was given great opportunities to create the exec chefs. If you want chocolate, get it. If you want this piece of equipment, get it. There was, there was always, I think the, the investment in me was amazing from people that I worked for. And I always produced. I think, um, I think that's what kept everything going till today, is producing it, not just in words, but have it on the table. Yeah. Well, I think that's important as a, a, a creative personality. You can't just talk a good game. You have to <coughs> show the people that you can do it. Yes, uh, and that's yes. across any creative field. Yeah. Um, yeah no one yeah. would take Steven Spielberg seriously if he didn't actually make any movies. <laughs> 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 exactly. <laughs> yeah. so, so when people are kids, it's easy to spot a specific talent. So, you know, kids that run fast generally go to athletics. And yes. Kids that draw end up being artists. So how did you actually realize that sugar was like you had a talent for that? Like, did you make a batch of tamaleki and then decide, sure, this was too easy. I'm going to make it into a two-meter large flower. Like, how did you discover that you had that talent? Yeah, yeah. I think still, Gran had a huge influence here where she would like, okay, I, I would say to her, I want to make the best rose ever. And she would say, okay, here's the equipment, here's the ingredients. She hasn't made it in her life. And like, sit down, let's make it. And for hours, we would play. Yeah. And she taught me that patient, be patient, be patient. I used to throw it around and <laughs> get very upset if I didn't get it right. But I think the love really started with her. I think she made me realize, but you asked me that, so let's... I can't do it, but mm. let's do it and develop it. Um, I think it comes from her. Okay. I, truly, I always say she's the angel of my life and she's still alive. She's 86 oh. years old. Oh, awesome. <laughs> and it is. But I've got a fond memory. I used to stay in a hostel in Bergersdorp. Mm. And there was one kid every Friday when the parents come and pick up the kids. He will always sit there with a the little bowl with his white powder. And it intrigued me. Like... 
what are you eating? Because he would lick his fingers and put it in there. And that was icing sugar. Mm. And I think maybe that was also a play in my mind. Mm, mm. I can still see it. I can still see it happening. <laughs> and I was like, can I taste it? And like, yes, you can taste it. And I think, do you realize that sugar comes in so many forms? And what you can create out of sugar is just magic. Yeah. It's just magic. I think it's also just experiment as well, like you said. You know, you don't know how to do something, so sit down and have the patience to try and figure it out. Yes, um, yes. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like isomalt, um, beet sugar, um, I've never had formal training in it, ever. And I truly believe it's a God-given talent to me. Because I, I, would, I would look at pictures and I would look at, um, go through books and look at video clips and I would like, okay, it's easy, I can do it. <laughs> And develop my own style and my own yeah. thing. Look at it and say, okay, I can do it. And yeah. then I can do it. And I'm blessed. I'm very blessed. I'm actually reading a book at the moment uh, called Range by a guy called David Epstein. And basically this book kind of covers how generalists are actually better in certain fields. So you've got like your specialist fields, obviously, you know, if you're going to be a neurosurgeon, you have to study specifically to be a neurosurgeon. You can't learn that outside of the field of neurosurgery, for example. Yeah. But as the world is becoming more digital and more automated, specialists are actually finding it difficult because they're not able to switch to another field. And he actually, in this book, he goes all the way back to when people are kids. It's important to not let them specialize too early and let them play and let them switch and uh, create yeah. their own way forward. Yeah. Because as soon as you put them into a specialized <coughs> program, they learn the framework within that and then they don't pull things from outside yes. of that uh, of that framework to develop their own skill so you get like cookie cutter um, yes, yes, yes. carbon copies of of mm. the the syllabus or whatever yeah. so but megan i feel the same there with with my my full-time students here mm. is yes i would like to just bake cakes um, and i said no you can't mm. you can't make a living out of it not now and not two years, maybe in 15, 20 years, yes. Mm. We have to specialize the whole field of pastry. We need to do the plate of desserts. We need to do the high tea items. We need to uh, do breads and pastries. We need to do the sweets and confections. We need to do chocolate work, sugar work. The whole field of pastry. Mm. And it will lead you eventually to cakes. You need to have the knowledge of the whole field. I truly believe in that. You change as you grow older as well. Yeah. And like if you are leaving school and you're 18 and you say, I want to make cakes for a living. Maybe you don't want to make cakes when you're 25 anymore, but that's what you've specialized in and what you're going to switch to. So at least when you've got like a field of things that you've yes, done, you, yes. can, you can switch a little bit easier. Yeah. If you take, for example, when I was employed by Chef Niemann to open at the Square restaurant in Clarence, all of a sudden from a pastry position to the sous chef position, now you run the whole show. Now you have to run the pass. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. Yeah, the two years was great, but um, the experience obviously was great. Now at work, it, it, it is a huge advantage for me here running my own school. At that stage, I took it on as a challenge, but I know that's not what I want to do. I don't want to run a pass because I'm the devil himself. You understand? <laughs> <laughs> I want to be the pastry chef. Yeah, yeah. Quietly back in the kitchen and create and yeah, yeah live in another world. Yeah. But I'm sure that the, the skills that you learnt and developed being a sous chef have you've been able to draw on that Definitely. In, later in your career as well. Definitely, so. yes, oh. yes. Yeah. 
we've gone very off, t- off track. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so being in a relatively creative field myself, I'm always interested to know how other creatives work. So where do your ideas come from? Um, where do you turn for inspiration? Do you have a kind of a process that you follow for every piece that you create? Um, has it kind of changed over the years? Or are you still using the same old tried and true method to create? Tell me all about your creative <laughs> <laughs> Megan, I think my inspiration, obviously, the, my biggest inspiration comes from my garden um, because I love to create flowers. If you look at these, the, the, this bunch of cattleya orchids here, I need to have flowers around me the whole time because yeah. that, that inspires me. And I think if I look at them the whole time, it's almost like a picture is imprinted in my brain. So mm-hmm. when I make it, it's much easier. But also for me to, to design a showpiece is not overnight done and dusted. Mm-hmm. I like to spend at least two weeks, do research, see what techniques is out there and dream about it. And I will take a bunch of flowers and put it together as my showpiece that I'm going to make and really plan it well. I always have a great plan on the table before I start executing something. It's... I think it's important. But like I said, I think my biggest inspiration comes from my garden. Okay. And then, like, uh, the the picture that you sent me that I'm actually going to be using in the little artworks that I use for Spotify and that kind of thing, it had, like, an hourglass sitting on a hand with flowers coming Uh, out of it. So, like, where does... Is it all conceptual? Or do you just think to yourself, like, an hourglass sitting on the top of a hand is going to be, like, really cool? Or is there kind of meaning behind it, like, um, you know, hold on to your time because it's running out? You know? Yes, (laughs) yes, yes. Yes. So, so what happened there is I was part of I was part of the the culinary senior um, team that competed in in Stuttgart at the Olympics in February, mm-hmm. and last year I had to develop a showpiece because this piece was put out with the team. I also um, obviously enrolled for individual <laughs> injury. <laughs> I just had to, and um, and the theme was um, the beauty of life, holding it in hourglass, and it actually starts running out. Mm-hmm. And um, they left the idea of the flowers and the hand and the hourglass. Yes, I made that piece quite a few times to get to that perfection. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's always a theme and something behind it. There's yeah, always a a story behind it. Yeah. I think it's better when that, I don't know, personally, that you've got some kind of concept behind because, yes. you know, if you sit down to draw something or create something, even just an interview, like coming up with questions that actually drill down to the root of something, you have to come, you have to be quite creative and it, it, you can't do that off the cuff. Yes. At yes. least I can't. I'm not yeah, that yeah. talented. No, <laughs> I think we're the same. We, we like to be organized and planned because we, let's get the most out of it. Yes, yeah. I've yeah. spoken to my um, photographer this morning. And I said to Donny, um, "Don't worry, it will be a great setup for you on Friday." He's like, "Don't worry, we can we can go, we can do it as we go." Like, no, 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 no. We only have five hours. Let's do the best of our ability in that period of time. And it comes down to well organization. Yes, um, everything in life is always executed much better mm. if you are organized and planned it. So you're not spontaneous. This is now like a really, we're going down a bit of a rabbit hole here. Are you not spontaneous at all? Cause like you like- I am. You are. Okay. I can change my mind. <laughs> <laughs> my lecturers sound like, okay chef, okay chef. Like, oh please, let's just change it. <laughs> it's gonna be better because in a moment, someone says something or I just see something and like, okay, no, that my idea was okay, but this is better. 
and then it's, it's good to change instantly. Yes, yeah. And not say, okay, but that is on paper. We have to do that. Yeah. Not in general. I'm not like con- constantly doing that. Mm. But um, the foundation is solid. But sometimes I do change yeah. my ideas. I so. find like if you've planned out something and uh, something kind of dislodges that entire plan in the first phase you have to just adapt otherwise your whole plan goes down the tubes and you have to restart yes. so yes. like flexibility is definitely um for a for a creative i feel yeah um, yeah you know well, if you take a show piece for example you've made a flower on a stem and the angle of the flower facing you is now not as your drawing you have to adapt yes you have to say, okay that flower needs to face that way but this is going to be the front of my showpiece or whatever. And it's good. Sometimes it works. Most of the time, it actually works out better than your original plan. Just that energy, that, that creativity flow. Yes, yeah. 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 You obviously have a long list of awards and you've mentioned it's <laughs> like the Olympics and all that. Like before I actually started speaking to you to set this interview up, I didn't know that you got like the pastry Olympics and the food Olympics. Like it just goes to show how little you actually know about what happens in someone else's industry. But anyway, so you've got this long list of awards and achievements and um, sometimes being like the guy on top is a dangerous place to be because you get that section of people that live to see you fail. So how have you managed to stay at the top of your game for so many years and how are you able to still innovate despite being one of the best in your field? Because when you're at the front, if you're going to stay there, you always have to be doing something new and different. So I'd love to hear how you've been able to evolve. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Megan, um, yeah, that area is what keeps me going. I need to be the best in my field. I want to believe and I believe that my school train fantastic chefs, mm. not ordinary 60% chefs, but uh, distinction chefs. Mm. And my love has always been, you have to just give your best. And I'm, I'm, I love to be in that position. Yes, sometimes you learn from mistakes, but don't make the mistake again. And if you make it again, you, I usually scream at myself. Like, why did you do it? <laughs> yeah, it, I love it. I love it because you grow. And I always say I'm my biggest critic. Mm. I am. I look at it and like, that's not good enough. And you want to say, yes, it is good. No, it's not. I can do it better. I have to force myself to do it better and better and better. Yeah. And yeah, I'm, like I said, I'm very blessed with this talent. Um, in Afrikaans, uh, there's a saying that they say, all the emmer van die kaars of. And my grand did that at a young, young age. She just grabbed it. Um, what is it in English? Uh, emmer. Uh, the bucket. The bucket from it. It's like, ban, 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 ban. And and I'm grateful for it. Yeah. Grateful for it. Yeah. Being a perfectionist, and I think that if I look at everyone I know in the creative field, every creative is a perfectionist, and it's really difficult to finalize a project because there's always something that you can do better and that you can fix and change to you know capture the concept mm. better. 
How have you found that balance between creating a piece of the best that it can be and setting it live versus overworking it and just it never sees the light of day because there's always work going on. Like, when do you know that it's time, like, I need to stop working on this, this is as good as I'm going to make this particular piece? Yes, to let go, actually. To let go, to yeah, let go, yeah. yeah. I must say, when I, was in, when I was much younger, I'm quite a perfectionist, but at that stage, there was no balance. Mm-hmm. I worked myself to death. So I'm going to use an example. When I finished 11 o'clock at night, my shift finished, I would get home and I would start scrubbing, mm-hmm. start cleaning. Everything needs to be in lines, everything needs to be color-coded and everything. And um, I actually had to, go, I had to go and see a psychiatrist about it because I, was, I couldn't, I didn't see it. And he said to me, make your workplace the place that needs to be perfect. But when you're at home, let go. I've really worked on that over the years. When you get to my house, it's not chaos, but <laughs> <laughs> everything is not perfectly in place. And that sort of balanced my life till now. Mm. All I know is that I'm the type of person when I need to do something, it needs to be written down. Mm. I, I don't like to, okay, I forgot about that, or I still need to do that. No, it needs to be on a piece of paper. Yeah. I like a tick list. And that gives balance in my life. I've... <laughs> If I walk in here in the morning, I'm actually, I'm actually nervous because I've got this huge list to do. Within the first three hours, I'm like a little bit frantic, a little bit, because I want to get it done. I yes. want to get it done. And especially when I make a promise to someone or say, I will send you this or will give you a recipe. I like to be keep to my promises. Yeah, yeah. When it comes to a showpiece, yeah, you get to a point where you're like, just let go. It's fine. You are just human. Chef Niemann told me one, once I was competing at a, um, in a competition was between the universities and the restaurant side of it. So I was the pastry chef and I had to uh, push out um, 21 desserts. On the plating was a piping mm-hmm. technique and I wanted every single plate to look exactly the same. And she said to me, don't think that you are God. You're not. <laughs> yeah. You're just human. And that word stays to me till today. Mm. I'm just human. I think, yeah, it is that that perfectionism is is quite something. But I think successful people are more more of a perfectionist than um, unsuccessful people. Yeah. Definitely, definitely. Yeah. Well, I mean, they plan better and they can execute better, and they've got yes. more perseverance as well. So. Definitely, yeah. definitely, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I'm, I write books every year. <laughs> <laughs> Everything that I do and plan is not in, just in my head; it's on paper, yeah. and it's great to do it because you go back and say, "Oh no, I can have, I can move it to that side; it will look better." Mm. Or Whatever. Yeah, it yeah. Is, I think paperwork, it is vital. Yeah. I'm always bad at taking notes. Like, I'll write something down on like a piece of paper this size and then we'll get lost <laughs> yeah. in thing on my desk. And when I was working corporates, I would go into a meeting and then you think, today I'm going to take proper notes. <laughs> so you sit down and you say, okay, what this meeting is about, um, Chef Nicholas. And then you draw a line under and then you have the discussion. And you go back to your desk and Chef Nicholas. Shit, <laughs> just what eating. What does this mean? <laughs> <laughs> so um, I I try and take notes, but that's not. I'm one of the messy creatives. Like this, and I hate being unorganized. But that's mm. obviously just part of my process. Like I can't keep 
my thoughts are organized. I need it to be all over the place to make connections mm. and that kind but of But then thing. you can multitask. Because at, at one stage this morning, my desk was just, there's two menus that I need to approve. There's uh, an application. There's f- uh, seven emails to send out. And it's just chaos. Yeah. But that chaos is good because you multitask and you force your brain to grow to take that amount of to remember exactly what you need to do yeah. and it's just there and then you, you get very organized at one stage and you just chaos again i think it's good i'm not a fan of multitasking because i tend to start like at the moment i'm as i said i'm editing a book yeah if i if i'm trying to do something else while i'm editing then you think flip that other website that i'm writing now, you're not focused on trust accounting. You're focusing on aluminium fabrication. I need to sit down. And I think um, I read once that uh, Elon Musk actually does that. He, he kind of blocks time. So in this two hours, I'm doing uh, SpaceX or whatever it's called. And in yeah. this two hours, I'm going to work on those microchips for your brain. And actually, <laughs> actually, one of those, I might need one of those microchips for my brain. It might, it might speed up my, my processing power a little bit. <laughs> yeah, Megan, um, the, 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 the thing, the big thing is for chefs, we should be able to multitask, especially mm. when it comes into a kitchen. Otherwise, there will never be food on the plate. True. Yeah. Well, yeah. it'll be like one thing. <laughs> like the, best, sauce. <laughs> the best chips you've ever eaten. Just like, don't ask for tomato sauce. <laughs> yeah. And I find that uh, multitasking is a problem. It is a problem with, I would say, most chefs, but some of them have a problem with it. They don't want to do one thing at a time. And unfortunately, the, the, the time frame that you have to do whatever, don't allow you. You have to be able to have something on the stove, do something on the table, and and communicate for example you have to do that otherwise it's not going to work luckily i'm not a chef (laughs) (laughs) so moving from the creative side onto the business side now so there's a saying that you should never go into business with family and friends it's a recipe for disaster but sometimes as a small business grows to the size where you need to bring in additional bodies to sustain it or to grow it you you need to look within your circle because like you know, you trust someone and you know their work ethic and that kind of thing, rather than bringing someone in from the outside that you don't know. So you run the FBI school with a partner. Yes. Um, so how did this come about? Was it like serendipitous, like you met at uh, the Olympics and you go, oh, <laughs> this is my dream, it's my dream too, let's do it together. Was it a mutual goal that you decided to pursue the chef school? Or was it an opportunity that you discovered or that your partner discovered and just decided, look, let me bring in another person to to help me get it off the ground? It started when I was studying. The very first day that I started my studies, I met the most amazing person by the name of Leslie Jacobs. And we just clicked from day one. Months later, we said we're going to be the dream team one day, never knowing that we're going to have schools. Yeah. Maybe running a kitchen together or whatever. And um, that man believed in my skill and my ability from day one. Yeah, he worked in the industry, I worked in the industry, and then he went in partnership with Chef Kevin Gerke, and they opened the main branch in Bloemfontein. At that stage, I was working at the Saxon Hotel. And they said to me, but why didn't we open a branch in, in Joburg? I said to Les, how? How are we going to do it? There's no funds. I don't have the capital to do it. He's like, you've got a garage. <laughs> you've got a garage. And I said to him, my garage? He's like, yeah, why not? And I resigned from the sex hotel. 
And with his great support, he was here. Yeah. He was here all the way, and we opened the school in my garage at my, in my at next to my house. Oh wow! So how many students could you take? Six. I had six. So at that stage, I was the advisory page chef of the Kalami Castle Hotel. So that was my playground or my practical ground for the students. Yeah. And all my demonstrations and theory classes was happening in the garage. Tough times. There was, yeah. there was really tough times. The first year was crazy tough. I mean, you pull this credit card and that credit card and everything together <laughs> just to make it work. Yeah, yeah. But he supported me all the way. Um, it's like, you can do it. You yeah. can do it. And then we started renting a property and we moved from the garage to the rented property, <laughs> old bakery. And then we moved to the current location um, in Randburg. And yeah, um, Leslie, uh, it is about trust. It is about trust and living the same dream. To mm. Now we, we want to educate the best chefs in the country. That is our goal. Our main goal is to really train quality chefs and in a way almost secure a job because the level of expertise is so high that people want them the industry want them i'm very blessed um, most i would say obviously after covid i'm not sure but all my chefs are employed why because the level of skill and knowledge that they've got and the experience that they've gone that they've picked up here and in the industry put them on another level awesome. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know it's it's interesting i think when you start a business like you did and in some ways like I, when i started my blog i didn't even own a computer i had to borrow a computer to, to write my blog wow, wow. and look i mean my business is not exactly like i don't know HubSpot, like it's not exactly the the creative force of the world, but I mean, I'm it's a solid business, and I've yes. got really good clients, and I've got really good relationships, and I think that when you start like that, you appreciate when the money does come in and your ability to grow. Yes, um, yes. Instead of like going, uh, I'm not saying people shouldn't apply for loans and that kind of thing, but I think mm. that it's risky because you don't know if it's going to work out, and then you've got all this debt hanging over you. Yeah, and and and. and Megan, I, I truly believe hard work. It's not going to fall from the sky. Well, one of my friends the other day said to me, when are you going to stop working your 16, 18 hour shifts a day? And I, I don't want to. Sometimes I want to and just take a break. But the fact is, um, in today's life, it's not uh, a seven to four job, go home and um, it is about work. You yeah. have to work for it. And the great thing is, you make mistakes. And I... And I, and I I would say, yes, it was my mistake and I will go on. And uh, yeah, it's yeah. hard work. I always say, you are your own destiny. Nobody else. Nobody else. You are. In Afrikaans, is it saying, what you say, so you my. And the Bible says it. You yeah, know? yeah. And, and, and that is true. So when it comes to working with your partner, how has it worked in terms of work split? Because you're obviously both chefs. Now you work, from what I understand, on different properties, Correct, uh, yes. different locations. Yes. So, well, I'm, uh, the, the question I prepared was, have you outsourced your admin? And as I was <laughs> today, you said, well, my PA didn't come back after lockdown. So obviously you haven't outsourced your admin. So where does your focus lie? What kind of responsibilities have you taken on for the business? What have you made your partner's problem? Uh, in, and how have you balanced that to make sure that you both don't lose sight of why you started the business in the first place? Yes, yes. So the FBI, Joburg and Bloemfontein are two complete different entities. 
Okay. We run completely different. Yes, um, our syllabus are, are the same, mm. but lazy focus on the Bloomfield, um, just at Bloom, um, on the Bloomfield branch. Yeah. My focus is here. Okay. And um, yes, when we started the businesses, I was driving down to Bloom every month or every second month for, for three weeks and did some teaching there. Yeah. But the, the businesses grow so well that we, I don't have to go down anymore. Mm -hmm. The business side of it, I've actually learned so much the last <laughs> three months and I've realized it's great to have your finger on everything. Now I can see some areas that I've already improved on and realized, but this could have already happened five years ago. But I was so busy in the kitchen that I didn't think about that. And um, I'm very blessed. I've got two lecturers um, um, training with me. Both of them studied under me many years ago. So they know what what is the level of training, what am I expecting from them. And I still train. Next week I've got uh, a la carte dessert program running and I'm running it. But it's just be more organized. Run the office mm. and run the course. So um, hard work, hard work. Oh, it is yeah. trying to... And uh, that's something I've learned. And like I said to you when I was doing my tax yesterday, yeah. like... <laughs> It's good to have your finger on the pulse, but there's a mm. limit to my expertise in those areas. And that's why, like, especially when it comes to the money, I'm happy to outsource. Yes, yes. So. <laughs> <laughs> Believe me, when I was like, okay, Nico, now you have to learn the, the pastel program. It's like, I didn't want to. <laughs> but once I've done the course and running my third month end till now, yeah. it's like, wow, I've done three month ends yes. um, on my own. And it's great. Yeah. It is fantastic. Yeah. One of my uh, previous guests, well, you, we were talking about her earlier, Renata. Yes. Um, she said that uh, a lot of people don't actually know what's going on with the cash flow in their business. And when you've got your fingers in the financial part of your business, you kind of see, wow, like after all my expenses, I've only made this. Because when you see the money coming in, unless you're accounting for all those expenses and doing your trial balance and all that, you don't actually know how much money you're making at the end of the yes, day. Yes, yes. So, yeah. yeah. I can use a very good example of what I've figured out as well in the last few weeks is I used to be on a prepaid electricity thing and I've realized but if you buy a huge amount of electricity a month mm. once off you get less than buying it once a week and it's like now I'm running running the office I figured it out you understand yeah. But it's just, yeah, just little things. Yeah, little things in that you, you save. Yeah, you save. well, the little things add up to big things. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Most businesses obviously go through some sort of downturn or trauma during the lifetime. And obviously the worst for most businesses has been this lockdown period. And it's a global phenomenon. It's not, yes. I mean, we've had a few touch-and-go periods in South Africa's history. <laughs> um, but like COVID-19 has been, uh, you know, uh, it's been global. I'm not necessarily just referring to COVID-19. So has there been a period, whether it was now during lockdown or previously, where you thought to yourself, holy crap, I don't know how I'm going to get through this. Yes. How did you manage to get things back on track? It was actually a complete meltdown in my life. When you just work and work and work and you're like, okay, I didn't make any money. It's just paying the bills and, and you just work. That happened six years ago. And I phoned Lizzie to him, I'm done. Stop the, I'm going to stop the training. I want to go back into the industry where I work for someone. Mm. 
and an earn a salary and not being the responsible one or taking all this this pressure. And he said to me, you're not, you're not going to do that. You've done so much in your life till now. Why do you want to quit? I said, but I don't want to pay the 35 grand rent anymore. I said, let's change it then. And yes, I was devastated because I just got to a point in my life, like I'm just working. There's no joy anymore. It's yeah. just working for money to pay the bills. And you won't believe me. I was driving up the road that Sunday, not far from my house. We saw this prop. Well, I saw this property on for sale, and I phoned Lisa and said, "Listen, this property is up for sale. I'm going to have a look at it." And he's like, "Yeah, have a look at it." A week later, we bought the property. Oh wow! With his help from his dad. You know, when you phone someone and say, "Just give me a check of this amount." And <laughs> The check is delivered tomorrow. Eh? <laughs> Happens to me all the time. Fantastic. <laughs> and my life changed within a week. It changed completely. Um, so sometimes it's good to get to that point because it is a growing. You grow out of that situation into something much better. It was rough. It was yeah. rough. So yeah. was that this property that you're in now? Yes. Yes. Sure. Correct. And yeah. so you've been here for, for six five years. years. Five, five years. Five, six years. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. Flip. Well. That was the best day of my life, I must say. <laughs> because then it's yours and you can change. And you can do, if you want to paint this wall pink, you can do it. And yeah. if you want to, I love the gardening of the property. Um, there's still a lot of work that needs to be done. But um, like my garden, my house is my, when I wake up in the morning, that's the first thing I'm going to look at is my yes. garden. Yeah, yeah. And over here is the same. Yeah. I, I love gardening as well, um, yeah. just as a random, unimportant fact. <laughs> and I've actually, funny enough, I've actually become obsessed with my garden now. I've always enjoyed gardening, but I've became rather obsessed with it now during lockdown. And I think being at home, you sit and you're like, yes, this can look a lot better than it does. And yeah. I'm stuck here for however long it is. Yeah, a little bit of love and water can yeah, also yeah. change a lot. <laughs> 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 cool so we've been going for quite a while so i am respectful of your time um and i don't want to keep you all there because i feel like we could probably chat so i'm gonna fire off a couple of uh, short questions they are, the questions are short but you can answer them in as long a format as you see fit okay so the first question define success you have to fail first sometimes i think you there need to be failure it can't be all going well and good. Failure is good. It needs to happen in between. And that, that success is then real success. Money doesn't buy anything. That is hard work. Hard work and money comes naturally. A lot of people th always think, like I had a, someone here yesterday saying, I want to open my own coffee shop next year. And I'm like, um, but you just, you're just gonna, you're just enrolling now for my part-time course and you want to open a coffee shop, I said, do you know what it entails? And I gave her the rundown and she's like, I think I'll open it in four or five years. <laughs> um, people have a misperception sometimes of especially opening something like that. Mm. You need the expertise and the experience. I'm blessed being going through some failures and um, learning from your mistakes. And I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't say that I'm completely successful. Definitely not. I still have bigger dreams. But I think you have to fail sometimes to grow into success. And there's a, a Stoic um, by the name of Seneca who actually said something along the lines of a person only really knows what they're made of when they have to go through adversity. Because without a challenge, you don't actually know what you're made yeah. of. 
I'm paraphrasing. It's a lot more eloquent in there. Yes, but yeah, it's true. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I true. firmly believe that. I, yeah. I think that people who've, who have kind of had everything handed to them, and they don't appreciate success and they don't appreciate anything. Really. Yeah. I always say, give me your framework. What is your dream and give me your frame. And it's not putting 10 big puzzles in there. It can be 500 puzzles. And each puzzle has a name. I'm just using an example here. Skill in sugar. Skill in um, how to talk to people, how to manage people, whatever. You need to determine how many puzzles can go in that frame. Mm-hmm. It's, just not, it's not four, five or six. And this generation that we live in now is, um, I can see it with my students, they have it, like it, you said, that... that the cloud around it, you yeah. understand, and it's not—it's not the reality. If you want to open your own company one day, or a restaurant, or you need to be in that company, working before you can do your own. But it's yeah. not—it's not. If I—if I take, for example, the different um, functions that we do at the school here and events, I don't want to do it exactly the same every one. Mm. I want every event or a function to be a memory. Do you remember we did high tea that we did? Da, 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 we did this. And my classes as well. My, my style of uh, t- teaching, I change it sometimes without actually knowing it. And like the mm. student will come to me and say, Do you did it completely different this week? Yes, there's still a demonstration and an action class, whatever. But the way that I approach things, mm. and it's good to explore. If you do the same thing over and over and over, you lose your, your passion. And, and passion is a, is a big word when it comes to success. And it's actually a very random word. Mm. A lot of people use it randomly. Mm. It upsets me. Um, I had a question here one day around this table where the father asked me, so how would you describe passion? And I said to him, it's something that you are busy with the whole time. Sleeping, eating, anything that you do, you are busy with that, but you call passion. It's like a little, uh, small a boy that is six years old and you can see his father working in the workshop and by the age of 10 he's passing the spanners and the hammers and whatever and then at the age of 12 he built his own little motorbike out of wire but by the age of 18 he built a bike and by the age of 21 he is working for someone Mm. and by the age of 25 or 30 he's got his own shop Mm. that is passion it's not I can bake and I can cook and that's my passion. Show it to me. Show it. Show me your, your pictures. Show me what you've done in your life, what you call passion. Yeah. Well, you can be passionate about something and not turn it into a career. I mean, I, I mm. enjoy cooking. Uh, I yes, really yes. do. Like, I'm not the world's greatest, but yeah. I haven't killed anyone with my food. So, <laughs> <laughs> so um, you know, I enjoy it. Um, yeah. And you can say that I'm passionate about it, but yes. it's not something that I really want to do as a living. That, yes, that's yes. my kind of downtime. Yeah, and yeah. I'm passionate about creating in my downtime yeah, yeah. away from words and work. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. You can taste. In, obviously, if your friends are coming over and you're cooking, they can taste it in your food. Yes, yeah. They can taste it. They yeah. can, yeah. They, yeah. they, they know that you love cooking. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Unless something goes wrong with the recipe, <laughs> <laughs> which has happened quite a lot. <laughs> so, what are the first three things you do every morning? Okay, and not like shower and crap like that. Like Coffee, definitely. <laughs> yeah. First thing is heading for the kettle. <laughs> and then I love watering my aram lilies in the morning because mm-hmm. it took me years to get them to where they are at the moment. But every morning I need to hear water and I just 
mm. get the hose pipe and just spray whatever there's a section in my house that loves water mm. and just spray them lightly and that's my food that's the first thing i do and the mm. second the third thing is um yeah what is that feed the cat <laughs> Um, mm. So, do you find that those three things kind of set you up for the day? Like, is that a routine that you have to go through every day yes. to get your mind in the right space to get to work? Definitely, a coffee is the first thing, and then water. <laughs> oh, I think I don't know. I think I think that seeing when you, we, especially when I look at the plants, watering them, I can see. Oh, like this morning, one of my arums is a double arum. <gasps> oh wow! I'll show you the picture. Yeah, and I'm like, wow! And it's like just it made my day already. Yes, you understand. Yeah. I don't know. I think seeing seeing plants growing, and yeah, I don't know. Mm. Plants are just magic. They are. I love I love plants, and I've mm. actually got a little section in my garden. I grow vegetables, wow. but I'm I'm the world's foremost expert on growing really tiny vegetables. Oh wow! I'll, I'll show you the picture of the beetroots that I grew. Like it was literally like a leaf and the root. There was nothing. <laughs> 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 and I grew an aubergine once that was smaller than my hand. So like, I don't know mm. what I'm doing wrong, but anyway, um, <laughs> that, that's my special talent is I grow <laughs> tiny things. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> what do you do when you're not working on your business? Working in the garden. <laughs> I love entertaining. I must say, okay, the last few months there's not been a, no entertainment, but no. I love entertaining my friends. Mm. Not fine dining entertaining, but <laughs> real good quality time together and mm. um, make them feel special. Yeah. And but yeah, I th- and obviously there's my gran as well. Mm. I spend a lot of time with her, but I think the, what I love doing in my downtown is gardening. Okay. Yeah. Gardening, gardening. <laughs> I'm a rock freak. I steal rocks. <laughs> I was flying from Zimbabwe once with a suitcase full of rocks instead of my clothes back. And the guy was like, what are you having there? He's like, rocks. <laughs> so I love rocks. It's just like, I don't know why. If I see some a beautiful piece of a rock, I, oh, I steal it. <laughs> I'm blushing. I'm over red <laughs> It all comes out of the <laughs> So, if all the books in the world had to spontaneously combust except for one, what would that book be and why? Over the years, um, I've been to Dubai quite a few times. And there's a bookshop. Sorry, I can't remember the name of the bookshop. It's a massive bookshop in Emirates Mall. And um, I've spent quite a lot of time there looking at different books that I can buy for my school and for my students. My most inspirational books is definitely from the Institute of America, the Culinary Institute. The whole range, you can see them, they're stacked up there. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the whole range of them, every single recipe, every method, everything is, those are the best books I've got. They are fantastic. And sometimes I'll just grab and even if I know the recipe, I'll just read through it again. Those are my best. Awesome. I love them. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of the recipes in those books is in my syllabuses. Yeah. Will it teach me how to make sourdough bread? Because definitely, <laughs> I'll make you a coffee. <laughs> if there's one thing that remains on my to-do list and I have never been able to get it right, it's uh, sourdough bread. I cannot. Then I'm going to put you on a course here. <laughs> I've got one coming up in the next oh, really? four or five weeks. Is it? I've got you. I'm going to put you on the list. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> 
But do, you, do you give me the starter? Because I think I fall down at the starter. <laughs> <laughs> so what we do is we obviously have a starter, but you get a baby. So when you uh-huh. go home, after your day of baking your sourdough yes, bread, yeah. you take a little starter home with you. You can just feed it and keep it going. Yes, yeah. yeah. Does yeah. it require a lot? Cause you can keep it in the fridge, am I right? Correct, And then yes. it's once a week that you feed it. Correct. According to yes. the interweb. But like, yes. that has never worked for me. <laughs> <laughs> but you have to feed it once a week. Yes, yeah. Well, I tried. <laughs> <laughs> I've got dogs, so I'm used to feeding things. But yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've got one big, big dream. There's a guy in Paris, he's called Stefani Klein, and he does the most amazing sugar work. And I've been on his site, on his Facebook page, and I can't get enough of his level of skilled what he do with sugar. And um, yeah, I want to I wanna have one of his books, definitely, and go for a course. Yeah, the course yeah. is four weeks. So I need to take a month off somewhere yeah, in the future yeah. and go and do that course. That is my yeah on my bucket list. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you see, I used to work in travel and I did like Italy and France and that kind of thing. And I wow. I created like culinary tours where it was like you you go on the wine the vineyard tours and that, but then you've got like cooking classes. Yes. You would have been my perfect time. I would have made lots of money out of you. Well, remember me in the future. <laughs> what is one piece of advice that you wish you had received when you started? Started your business. Honestly, think is you're gonna really work hard. You know, when you when you interview a student, you say this is really hard work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't mind working 12 hours a day. Or, I don't mind working 14 hours a day. You hear it in the interview, and you're like almost smiling, like you don't know what's coming. <laughs> <laughs> it's really hard work. Yeah, it's really hard work, mm. and hard work means constantly, mm. not. <laughs> you you're baking something and then you take an hour coffee break and no hard work mm. but yeah i don't mind hard work that's the only way you can get somewhere yeah 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 awesome. <laughs> <laughs> this has been a lot of fun i've i've learned a, a lot and um, I really appreciate you taking the time. I'll Thank let you get you. back to your admin or your kitchen, whichever <laughs> you prefer. Um, before we go, where can people find you? You've obviously got a website, social media. Yes. So where can people find you online? Yes. Our website is www.fbischefschool.co.za. And we're also on Facebook. Our Facebook is quite active, mm. the website as well. But the face on Facebook, we post regular pictures of the work that we do here the programs coming up we have lots of part-time programs mm. um especially on saturdays and then we're on instagram fbi chef school as well okay yes cool well thank you chef nicholas Megan, i have thank really you very enjoyed much. this yeah so. i love it <laughs> <laughs> it's nice to sometimes share it's, it's like a almost quickly like a, a recap of your life that's what it felt for me this morning. It's like, oh, awesome. I'm just recapping what I've done with my life and where I'm heading to. Sometimes you get so into your work that you actually forget about these things mm-hmm. and how grateful I am to be here today and being blessed with this talent and sure. this amazing school with great people here. Yeah. I don't know if you feel, felt the feeling when you came in here. Everyone is in a happy space. Yes, yeah, yeah. Um, and that's what I'm creating here. Yeah. And I've actually just realized again how blessed I am. Yeah. Well, it's good to um, be a part of that journey for you. So thank you. Thank, thank, you. thank you for thank taking you very the time. Much. Thank you.
Okay. And you promised me something sweet, so are we it's going to go to the kitchen? I'm going to make a phone call now. Okay. <laughs> 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 Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs>